Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Well, it's my pleasure to welcome to Private Club Radio, Matthew Guzik of Terra Iti in New Zealand. Yes, all the way from New Zealand. He woke up very early to be with us here on the show. Matt, welcome to Private Club Radio, man. Good morning, Gabe. Thank you. Yeah, so I'd first love to hear how an American found his way to Terra Iti in New Zealand. Tell us a little bit about your background and your story, Matt. Boy, well, I was I was obviously very fortunate. Uh, I've now, uh, my wife and I have been in New Zealand now for six and a half years. And we came here specifically to open up uh, uh, Terra Iti. Uh, at that point in time, it was just this uh, incredible vision of Rick Kane with Kane Anderson and Kane Capital out of L.A., and our, our paths crossed at one point in time uh, when I was at the Stock Farm Club, uh, which I happened to manage for 15 years prior to coming here. And uh, it was just something that he started chatting a little bit about, about an opportunity. He wanted to build a world-class golf course. Uh, he was looking for, uh, I'll just jumped off. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's okay. Uh, yeah, he was looking to... Um, He's looking to uh, build a, a world-class golf course somewhere in the world. Uh, he had played the top 100. Uh, he specifically had fallen in love with New Zealand about 20, 25 years prior to that. So when he sat down and explained what he was thinking about doing in his vision, it was like, it was just absolutely perfect. Something I thought, this is something that's, that's right up my alley. Uh, prior to that, I was at... Um, the stock firm club uh, for 15 years and I was fortunate enough to work for Charles Schwab and I opened that club and I spent some time at Interlock in Minneapolis for three and a half years doing a renovation and I spent seven and a half years at uh, Desert Mountain down in Scottsdale, Arizona where I worked for Lyle Anderson and again it was in that process of opening up a club and stuff like that so everything kind of just fell in line and we had this opportunity in our lives to, to uh, make a move our our children were, were older at that time. Um, Linda's uh, mom was in great health, and she still is, which, which has afforded us an opportunity to come here, and we've just certainly enjoyed it. That's awesome. So what's the, what's the state of things there in New Zealand right now, Matt? I know you guys kind of got through this rather remarkably. Tell us about what happened there. Well, I, I think the stages here, it was, it was kind of interesting as we watched what was going around the world and, and in other areas and things. I think the government here just took a, a fairly quick approach to, we just want to eliminate it, uh, which obviously uh, kind of forced down a lockdown where we locked down the entire country. I know New Zealand's lockdown was a little bit different than, than how we did things in the U.S. and the U.K. and other places. Tell us about how it went down there. So, so interesting enough in, in, in New Zealand, it's kind of like, uh, and it's being a socialist country is, is when you're locked down, you're locked down. The government mm. just says, here's what the rules are. And uh, no protests in the streets. <laughs> there's no protest in the streets. You know, there is no, there is no federal government, no state. You don't have county governments. It just, it's a kind of one size fits all. And, and so that's what happened here is, and uh, we, uh, we are very fortunate that um, New Zealand Golf and then uh, GMAN or Golf Manners Association of America and the superintendents, we all collaborated together and put together a program 
for us to be able to open the clubs at. And so, and we work closely with the government, or I shouldn't say we being personally, but, but those organizations did. And so we really had one voice working for us. And the, and the government, you know, you, you would go someplace with them, and in the beginning was, is we were deemed a non-essential service. And, um, and so... You think that was fair, to, by the way? Do you think that was a fair assessment? Not, not necessarily for golf. This is golf course maintenance. Let me, I apologize. I should, it, I think from a golf standpoint, the answer would be yes. Um, even though I think golf is probably the safest sport that can be played <laughs> uh, yeah. right now. And uh, especially when you're looking at people trying to get out and, and get some exercise and to get some fresh air. But they initially closed down the golf courses to golf course maintenance early on. And that was a bit of a struggle for all of us. And, um, those yeah, it must have been scary, right? Like, the, like how many days can you really go without, with it, without it being maintained? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that was the, that's what everyone was worried about. And those, the associations worked hard for us. But in addition to that, we were proactive where, where we actually, uh, put some employees, we do have some housing on property. So we, we actually positioned some golf course superintendents and maintenance crews on property. So when we did close down the uh, the, and we're in our bubbles. Uh, theoretically, they were actually in their bubble because they were they were actually on property. So right. we were able to do a little bit of maintenance just to make sure that that we wouldn't lose it and get some disease or, or something set in. And how how has it come back here as you're about to reopen? So the golf course is just in great shape. <laughs> yeah, it's probably better than ever. I've I've looked at all these golf courses that are just now opening, and they look like they're in prime condition, like they've never been before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're heading into our winter season right now, so we just recently did uh, we did our um, top dressing and and we punched the greens and things like that. But everything's bounced back extremely quickly and things like that. So that was it's actually the course is in phenomenal shape right now. So I know you guys have done some pretty cool things here now that you're reopening. I guess you're going through your second stage there of uh, phase two of reopenings. And you guys put together really a wonderful video sort of letting members and guests know what to expect when they come there. So for people who haven't seen it, which I will link that video in the show notes, um, tell us why you decided to do that, Matt. Well, so the whole idea of the videos was obviously, it was funny, it came back from some webinars that we caught back watching what was going on in the United States and and what Club Managers Association was doing. And so uh, we just kind of jumped onto that a little bit. Number one, we knew our um, 70% of our membership are international. And we needed a way to try to stay engaged with them. And so we've done several videos. And this last one here was just about stage two, was just, just hey, we're ready for you. And that was geared specifically to our, our Kiwi members. Um, and it was just to let them know that, you know, that we're open again, we're ready for you, um, but some things have changed a little bit. And so basically we're just taking them through that process of what some of those changes were going to be and obviously what things haven't changed. And, and really what hasn't changed here is the employees and the team and the staff. It's just, uh, they're, just they're, they're, they're eager to meet, you know, see people again, uh, obviously, you know, with smiles on and everything as, you, as you'll see in the video. Yeah. Now uh, you said Kiwi members, so I, and you talked earlier that you have some international members. Tell me about the club itself. What's the mix of membership, and how do things work there with your model? Sure. So, so the model, uh, the uh, model is a very uh, American model, U.S. model, where where we have taken an equity club. This is an equity club here. We have approximately two hundred and fifty members. Of that, 
I would say 70% are overseas. Uh, the majority, obviously, from the U.S. Um, we have approximately 70 Kiwi members here. And, uh, and so the idea was when we went through this next stage, which actually is quite difficult knowing that our borders are, are shut down now and, and probably will be for some time. You know, we're anticipating, hopefully we'll see our international members returning in, in early 2021, but that's not a guarantee. And so our, our model that we put together here is basically back to where we were about three years ago, which is we've got 75 members right now. And those 75 members will be our Kiwi members. So we had, to, we had to shift our staff around a little bit in the hours and with some of the job responsibilities. But, but that's kind of where we're, we're kind of geared right now. What will be some of the lasting changes for you guys as you come out of this? Like what, what, what changed during COVID-19 that you'll continue to do, whether that's good or bad? Wow. <laughs> Interesting question. I'm not sure I have the answer to that because, you know, um, change is change. It'll always change. You know, I think right now, obviously, um, we've noticed the, uh, the importance of our international members and our guests and trying to get them here. And, uh, you know, we've got accommodations. And so we've got a, you know, hospitality and a housekeeping department and we've got our concierge uh, and our club services. I think the key now is, is trying to figure out for us right now is how do we run leaner and, and how do we combine certain jobs and certain responsibilities? Uh, and, and so far, I think we've got a pretty good plan in place. But we know that plan is going to change, and we know it will change as soon as we can allow. But basically, we're going to be allowing um, Australia, hopefully here, coming here in uh, July or August, and that will that'll give us the opportunity to bring in our 16 or 20 Australian members, and hopefully they'll be guests. Eventually, we hope to get the U.S. Like I said, in 2021, early 2021, and and again, we'll have to be able to ramp up quickly to be fully open again. So, so um, I guess some things we've learned a little bit is, um, oddly enough, the to-go menu is pretty popular, and uh, we're seeing we're seeing that work uh, quite a bit with our members and our guests and stuff. So, the to-go menu will stay with us and things. Uh, we've kind of restructured. We've got a little um, uh, airstream that's a commercial kitchen that we'll use a little bit, and uh, and again, I think we're trying to find out now, I think our members are preferring something much quicker and possibly easier. Um, I think the days of the buffet are gone. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> so out goes our continental breakfast and a few of those things. And so, so we'll be looking for new ways of, of, uh, of uh, for our members to, to have breakfast and to dine and stuff. And, and uh, we do do family style. We've done it in the past. So I think we'll, we'll continue with that at, at, at uh, tables and things like that. Um, but I'm sure there'll be other ideas that'll come up along the way. Yeah, it's been really interesting to see clubs really all around the world kind of find out new profit centers or new ways of doing business that they, they didn't think of before, whether it was doing things virtually and hosting virtual events or doing those to-go orders or pickup orders or even some delivery I've seen from clubs. So it's been, it's been kind of cool. I think obviously there's been a lot of drawback <laughs> clearly to all of our businesses from this, but it, like you mentioned, it's going to allow us to think a little outside the box and hopefully get a little bit leaner, which is, which is good for everyone. What, what are you doing now, Matt, to sort of engage those members having an international membership? So you got people in the U S that may not be able to come for the better part of a year to your club. What, do you have any plans on how to keep them engaged? Um, 
What's, what's your, what are you thinking over there? Well, so we've got a couple ideas that we've got in place. I think I mentioned earlier, we've obviously upped our communication. Um, oddly enough, we didn't, we did not communicate a lot in the past. You know, we, we put out a, a, a newsletter about every three months. And uh, so we've, we've upped that up to almost weekly communication. In addition to that, we're obviously taking full advantage of, of some videos and things. So whether we were engaging in some virtual wine tasting, um, some, some meeting with the staff, uh, some, we're engaging them a little bit with uh, trying with, to get together with one another and, and, and get together and play golf at some of the clubs back home, um, but with uh, Terry D members. So we'll try to get a group of six or eight guys at a specific private club, invite six to eight other guys, and, and try to keep that communication going. Um, we've done everything with the lessons as well, uh, both cooking lessons and golf. And, and you know, we're just obviously just looking for things that we can do to, to keep them motivated and things. Um, oddly enough, in the beginning when we did have this, you know, again, the club's very fortunate because we did have the American model with an equity club. And so, um, and we chose, it was really difficult in early April sending out a letter to the, to the membership uh, saying, oh, by the way, your dues are due uh, now. And, and here's, your, here's your invoice. And we know you're not going to be here at the club for, for maybe nine months to a year and stuff like that. So while that was a difficult letter to send out, um, uh, it, it obviously helped us uh, and help the club from a financial standpoint and from a brand. Um, so by receiving those dues dollars and things like that, the, the club can operate the way it was meant to be. And so we never went through that phase of discounting memberships or discounting green fees and those types of things. We, we really stuck to our brand, which I think it was important as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, that's something I preached for a long time is never discount your membership. So I love to hear when someone says they, they do, they do that. Um, how, but you guys have also been just remarkably successful in putting Terra ET on the map, a place that, you know, wasn't really known for golf, maybe known for the game game. What is it? Uh, Lord of the Rings was filmed in New Zealand and a few <laughs> other movies, but not necessarily golf, but you, you built something really world-class and you did an incredible job of branding it. So do you have any advice for anybody out there who, who are, who are looking to do something similar? <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I, I, I don't, I actually, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, with you, um, you know, we were very fortunate. Um, Julie Roberts, who brought golf, car eclipse and Cape kidnappers and brought that model and that resort uh, to New Zealand to help discover, um, uh, New Zealand as, as a, a place to go to play golf. Um, we were fortunate and, and um, the government, uh, the prior government, the national party here was really big on golf and tourism and really promoted that. And so uh, by the time, you know, the last one, to be honest, is, is Rick, you know, just Rick and Suzanne and, and their vision and clearly what he wanted to do. And this is, this is actually, you know, this is besides his vision and his understanding. This is his legacy. He really wants to, you know, he wanted to create a world-class golf course. Um, he all, when we first got on board, you know, he was hoping, he said it had to be in the top 100 is what he was trying to create. Uh, we quickly learned that top 100 probably meant top 50. And <laughs> he'd probably be disappointed if it wasn't in the top 50. And as it, it turned out, um, you know, we've been very fortunate with golf magazines, rankings, um, 
as well as Golf Digest, who now ranks as number two outside the U.S. Incredible. And yeah. The neat thing about what's going on here, you may or may not be aware, is, is we just received, uh, there's some property just to the south of us. We refer to it to the South Forest, but we're actually building two more golf courses. Wow. Um, which will be, these will be uh, open to the public. And again, the architects, if you can imagine, will be Tom Doak and Cora Crenshaw. Wow. And, uh, so, yeah. So I think that, again, will really help continue to put New Zealand on the map for a place to go uh, and, play, and play golf. Well, it's high, up on, it's high up on my bucket list. I, uh, Norm Spitzig went there about two years ago and he told me, you got to see this place, Gabe. It's unbelievable. And uh, ever since I've been wanting to go, I've been drooling when I see the pictures. So uh, maybe hopefully get there maybe in 2021 when things open back up. I'd love to come visit you, Matt. That'd be great. We'd love to see you. Last question for you, really, Matt. You know, what are some of the struggles that come along with, with with that top 10 ranking, you know, obviously when, when the word, when you're on the stage, you've got to raise your game a little bit higher. So I'd just be interested to hear from you. Like what, what changes when you get a ranking like that? Or do you just keep well, trying to perform at the same level? You know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of something, and I, I, I can't remember where I heard it, um, heard it before, but obviously I think it was at one of the club managers convention. And, but it was at, you know, we get together as a group, we always discuss what did we do right? What did we do wrong? How can we improve? And that's our approach at every department head meeting. That's our approach after every single event that we do there. And, and I guess we look at the team and the staff as a whole as, guys, what are we doing right? What's working? What are we doing wrong? Or where do we make a mistake? And then how do we recover? And how do we get better? And... Um, so that's, that's in a nutshell, I mean, this part of it's, I guess it's just part of who we are and part of our culture right now yeah. is constant strive for approval. Now we've been very fortunate. The club would, again, when Rick had set this up, I mean, we obviously had a great piece of property uh, and, and we were very fortunate with that. So the hardware was put in place. You got Tom Doak as an architect. You couldn't ask for anyone better than that. Um, so that was really exciting. So, um, so the hardware was put in place and the clubhouse, to be honest, is, is very, very small and intimate, but, but very well laid out. Um, it was really the software. It's really the people behind it and the team. And, and I got to be honest, I've, I've managed clubs now for 40 some years and I have worked with some incredible people throughout the, time, uh, the years. Um, this particular team is, is really unique and very different. And, and a part of it was because it's almost a melting pot where so part of Rick's vision was to bring in people from, uh, from the super yachts. He actually owns a super yacht. And so that idea was to try to bring in that because of their understanding for the level of service and, and they kind of go above and beyond and kind of make things happen. And so that whole idea of incorporating some people that had super yacht experience myself with the private club experience. And then we had um, some of our Kiwis that had some resort working at Car Eclipse and Cape Kidnapper our director of golf, Paul Reed, was the one that came from there. So we kind of brought us all together to mesh. And, and uh, this was the product that we were able to put out. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we're just fortunate. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Matt, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on Private Club Radio and sharing a little with us. And I wish you the rest of the day. Uh, good day to you. Thanks, Gabe. Really appreciate being here. I, I know you're, uh, when you do your shows normally, it's, it's a, normally a 3 a.m. wake-up call to, to uh, listen to your program. But I know you and I have chatted about the opportunity of, 
of uh, trying to get you go a little bit later every once in a while and stuff. But <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Matt. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Visit concertgolfpartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.